Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew, here this week to talk about the Byron Nelson at the Trinity Forest Golf Club. Quick little recap of the Wells Fargo. Uh, It was actually a, a pretty good week for me, but it would have been two things really derailed me. Denny McCarthy going to plus two on the last three holes, not great, and Rory's crash on Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what a week. Um, pretty great from just a golf fan perspective. I thought Max Homa's win, uh, surprise winner, I think 400 plus or higher to one in a lot of the betting markets and even higher than that in the data golf odds. Um, but he's a guy that has been really active on golf Twitter in general. He's done stuff with no laying up before, really great attitude. And he's been very honest about his journey through golf, through all the all the downs most of his career and, and then experiencing, you know, the, the highest of highs with the win. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, I don't think it's a repeatable thing. I don't think we saw like a leap forward necessarily in pedigree from him. Uh, I mean, he, he putted the lights out and definitely was awesome to see. He played the clutch um, on Sunday to be able to finish shut off strong, but uh, definitely was carried by a hot putter gaining almost 10 strokes on the field there. So I'm not seeing this as a big turning in the corner, but I do think it was an incredible golf story, and I love a good, love a good underdog, love a good long shot bet. So, yeah, I mean, anyone who cashed the home a ticket, good for you. Uh, not, I'm, I'm really un, like, how does Rory not win? How does, how does Rory McIlroy go out and shoot plus three on Sunday? I, I, I don't, how do you look at that leaderboard? Duffner, Dom, and Homa, Pat Perez tied with you. I, I, it's, it's like, as a Rory truther, it's like, it's like legitimately disturbing that looking at this leaderboard that he was not able to mount a charge. I mean, he made one of the worst doubles I've ever seen. He was in the greenside bunker, and it took him five shots to get it into the hole from there. Definitely the course you would have expected him to be able to pull it together too in the, the fourth round. Um, Data Golf Odds actually had home as a big plus EV bet heading into the fourth round. And that's one of the things with updated betting tools that you get access to. Is So it was, you could still get a, a nice price on him going into Sunday. Uh, great to see it finished off. Yeah, he was, for, 10, he was 10 to 1 while tied for the lead. Yeah, and it was frustrating for DFS for me. Mainly it was a disaster, but. Weekend golf and showdown was really good both days. Um, showdown specifically, probably one of the more frustrating beats in the end. Um, Sergio bogey two of the last three holes. Granted, they're really tough holes, but bogey two of the last three. If he survives with just one bogey, I finally take down the round four showdown and get back to even on that. But didn't do that. And then the Duffner double on 18 cost me a, another 2K in the round four showdown. So I climbed out of the week with a small profit, but man, I wanted to get into the black for round four showdown, Davis. Well, I found I found the withdraws on the weekend. I found Woodland and round three showdown and weekend golf. Uh, found the Benny Ann withdraw. Like it just it it was it was like honestly comical and like not you can't be mad about it. Like it's just running bad, but it it does not feel good to have a dude withdraw out of your weekend golf lineup. I've, I'm able to say that now. Yeah, especially when it's somebody who's inflicted recent pain on you, like Benny Ann and, and Gary Woodland have done for much of the DFS golf community, but. It's a new week. It's a equally bad field. It's a worse course. So I don't know, Davis. I think we're going to see a little bit more of the same this week. I, I hate to tell you. 
I don't know. I don't know if we'll see WDs or whatever, but I just think we're going to see whoever the winner is. It's going to be someone who's real deep. Like I, I don't think, I don't think Brooks just, you know, goes wire to wire. I do think Brooks is like a really good play this week, but I certainly wouldn't bet him at like six to one or whatever. And like, I don't know if you told me, you know, some guy who's priced at $6,800 on DraftKings ends up winning this. Like, like if, uh, if Anders Albertson wins this, I'm not like, Oh, well that's clearly not right. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear what you're saying there. Um, it, it could definitely be another week where a long shot winner comes through WDs. I mean, it could happen the week before the, a major, you got to travel across the country. The weather looks a little bit dicey. I don't know if you're in 65th going into Saturday or Sunday, I'm not sure you're feeling too great about sticking around for the last round, but who knows? Always hard to speculate about that. Well, and certainly not something you can take into account for your roster decisions. The, well, the thing that might save you if one of your guys is waffling is, you know, if if uh, if Tyrone Van Oswagen is is waffling on if he wants to play Sunday, the difference in prize money between T68 and T45 is probably a pretty big deal to him. So you're, you have like a decent chance of those guys gutting it out for the extra 20K in prize money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, you know, it's, yeah, like 20K, 30K difference. Um, ended up last week in Gup's Corner, the end of segment two. We were we were kind of live uh, going into the event. Went with Hideki as our choice. Um, only really had day Hideki and Finau available. So Hideki ended up making a little bit of money. Ended up coming in seventh, I think, in segment two. So in the black for Gup's Corner and free rolling headed into segment three. So it'll be interesting when we get to that section of the podcast to to see what you're thinking about when we when we kick off segment three. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to attack. I'm ready to just get it over with. I'm ready to just go after segment three because I've been ta- I've been having to take crappy guys for the last month and it's not any fun. <laughs> so yeah, this week uh, Byron Nelson is going to be played at Trinity Forest Golf Club. This is where the event was held last year. Last year was the first time that this course hosted the event. Uh, so if you're digging through course history data, you might as well throw that into the trash can. And you're digging through course fit data, you got a one-year sample with a pretty weak field last year to deal with too. So it should be uh, pretty interesting. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of good content this week, but pretty hard to tease out what is predictive and almost feels like a good week to dial up that shuffle. Oh, this is this is definitely a pick your favorite dude, hit the lock button, press shuffle, and walk away. Like well, I, as long as you come back for showdown. Yeah, as long as you, as long as you, and by the way, showdown this week, the scores in showdown are going to be unreal because dudes are going to like every, like the guy starts out three birdies, like he's on 59 watch just because this course. Uh, so let's just go ahead and get into the course now. It's playing at Trinity Forest Golf Club, par one, 7,380 yards on last year's scorecard. It has the potential to be a little bit longer or a little bit shorter. Uh, a lot of the, the pros hate this because it switched from the old course they used to play, which was right next to a Four Seasons hotel that they all love to stay at. So the, the players are a little bit mad about that, but there's no rough. There's a lot of native area and some and 85 bunkers on the course. But the reason there's no rough is that this course was built on an old landfill, like an old dump. So there are some areas where you could potentially hit into weird stuff. But pretty much the only defense that this course has is the wind. And if it's not windy, dudes are going to be going low. I, I booked a bet with someone in uh, our subscriber Slack channel that the winning score would be lower then 20 and i'll be honest i feel pretty good about it even if one day it gets rough with the weather yeah what do you what do you think uh for low score individual round of the event over under 62.5 i w- i mean i would take the under honestly like someone's gonna someone's gonna shoot a 60 
I'll I'll take I'll take the over there. We can book book a small one on that. Um, but you are right. One of the e- ten easiest courses on tour last year. The third widest fairways on tour of any course that they've measured. Eleventh par adjusted distance. Um, and if it plays soft, then it's even easier to hit these extremely wide fairways just because the balls aren't going to roll out into whatever rough or native area is out there. Um, so yeah, not not much rough. The 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 most rough we saw last year was Aaron Wise winning the tournament and then getting stiffed by his girlfriend. He probably has PTSD, so it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, rebound from that public embarrassment last year to defend his title. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will definitely be going back to Wise this week. Like, I'm at, like, fading Wise at 9.4 when people are going to be playing, uh, you know, Brennan Grayson and Jordan Spieth. Like, Spieth is going to garner legit ownership this week. Yeah, top T to green players last year. So throw the leaderboard out. Top T to green players last year was Adam Scott. Um, had a poor putting experience like Adam Scott does. So he didn't finish as strong. But Aaron Wise, Killer Keith Mitchell, JJ Spawn, Brandon Grace, Jordan Spieth inside the top 10 T to green last year at this event, Kevin Tway and Kevin Na. You definitely have to get hot with the putter, even if it does play tough or tougher this year. I mean, the winning score is going to be you know, minus 16 or, or better. And you're going to have to get hot with the putter to go low. Six of six is going to matter a lot because there's going to be plenty of birdies to be had. And like you said, for showdown, the scores are going to be low. So maybe if you're playing round four showdown, you can take a flyer a little bit deeper down the leaderboard, knowing that the birdies can offset those place points a little bit more. Yeah, so monitoring the weather from now until Thursday morning and for showdown, monitoring the weather every day is going to be really important, basically, because, like I said, the only defense that this course has really is the wind. And last year, there was a wave where there was like a two-stroke difference between the AM and the PM waves just because of the wind. So monitoring that stuff seems important. It does seem like it's going to be wet pretty much the entire time, but I don't see like a crazy wind forecast yet. Yeah, not not crazy. A bit gusty Thursday, Friday. I'm not not insane, but but it's something to keep your eyes on. Um, and yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be like the most egregious weather conditions in general as far as wetness. But if it softens up the course, then just the fairways just become like like you're hitting on a football field. Um, right. So like we said, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about course history. There are some guys who have played this event. They've done well. They've mostly all been priced up um, appropriately or or in some cases more than appropriately. And some of those guys come in with good form as well. So it's going to be interesting to kind of tease through that stuff as the week draws along, as ownership projections come a little bit more clear into shape. Um, course fit last year did over index and in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained putting relative to a traditional event under in strokes gained approach. Um, and then one of the really weird things was surprisingly six of the 10 best approach players, as far as uh, average strokes gains per round missed the cut. So um, I don't know, a little bit of an anomaly, probably don't want to put too much weight into that, but certainly can get away with some errant drives as long as you're, you're putting it out there. Yeah. I I mean, I think uh, this, this will probably be the only time I'll tout this all year long, but I'm going to look a little bit at putting stats this week, just to, just to kind of see who's been up there. Strokes gain putting, um, you know, lack of uh, what's, what do they call the lowest three putt percentage and stuff like that? Because the greens at this tournament are the biggest greens you'll see all year. Dudes will be dudes will be leg putting from like sixty five feet with like a, a, a decent amount of regularity. Don't, and, 
Don't look at free pet avoidance. Come on. I'm just already admitting that this is going to be, this is like going to be a variance fest week. I don't think there's, there's so many things that we can't control for. So we can't control for course history. We can't control for weather. We don't have a good sample in terms of course fit because the course might not even play like it did last year. And there are going to be so many guys making birdies that like, I'm just trying to give my brain something to latch onto other than driving distance. I could give you like a hundred other things that are better to spend your time on than trying to incorporate three putt avoidance into no i'm, I'm sorting oh. by three putt avoidance and just using that to guide everything just jack up the shuffle to 43 percent i mean i you know i the shuffle is going to be my friend this week for sure but let's uh let's go ahead and get into the 10k range i'll be honest i'm i'm probably really only interested in brooks and stenson here i don't I don't really want to play Decky on a course where he's going to have the putter in his hand so much and where he's priced so high. Like a, a great reason to play Hideki normally is because he's sort of underpriced relative to his ball striking, but I don't feel that that's accurate in his price this week. Yeah, I, I, um, I think there's reasons to, to talk about any of the different guys in this range. Um, Brooks is definitely the class of the field. I think the, the question like is all the narrative stuff. Um, you know, big game hunter. Why is he showing up? But he's done well in some of the weaker fields too. And uh, there's no reason for him to fly across country. He was in New York last week, um, fly across the country playing this and then, uh, you know, go, go forward for the PGA championship. So uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot there to the narrative to get you off of Brooks. It is a weird course to play as a major prep though, just because it, it's going to have so little in common. Um, I would he, think he's just, that. he's just hitting and giggling, dude. Like he's hitting every drive three twenty. He's taking the eight iron out and he's going for pins. Yeah. And then, I mean, Decky is, is the best ball striker in the field. So you don't think you want to completely dismiss that. Um, a little bit harder to get to the price on DraftKings than it is FanDuel, but FanDuel with the way that roster construction works, I, I think you have to have some Hideki exposure there. And then Henrik Stenson, has been elite on approach over this last little stretch here. And that continued last week. Um, but I guess if, if you're going to throw out Decky because he's so good at ball striking, but bad at putting, it seems a little hypocritical. Well, I'm just, I'm just throwing him out because he's $400 less than Brooks. And I want, I like Brooks like a whole standard deviation more. Yeah. Okay. And it's um, unlikely. Like, I don't think you can play both of them. Yeah. No, you, you couldn't fit them both in there. I like, you could, but not with any realistic uh, build, especially with the amount of birdies that are going to happen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Stenson and Decky, like there, there's this the similar profile. You're going to need the putts to go in for either of those guys. Um, hopefully, Stenson will at least feel comfortable taking the driver out of the bag with, with these fairways. But uh, they're both great plays. And then you got you got Leishman and Spieth in there as well. Spieth, I mean, the devil's advocate argument for him is like he can finally hit a fairway. So if he's been losing, uh, you know one to two strokes over the course of every event off the tee, then maybe this is the week that just like he'll actually be able to hit the fairways. So he'll be break even off the tee and then he can just uh, get the strokes game luck box going with the, but is he even, is he even good at putting though? Like, I don't even know if we have evidence that speed is good at putting, which is what he used to run hot with, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been getting strokes the past, um, past month or so uh, since the players championship really. But uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean it's it's totally back. It definitely doesn't mean he's going to be the best putter in the world again. Um, but I, I'm not fond of playing Spieth this week. Um, but I think that's the devil's advocate argument for it is that the he's going to be hitting fairways and he's not going to get into trouble. And that's where a lot of his issues have come from. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So 9K range, you, you playing gimmick golfer, noted gimmick golfer, Patrick Reed at 9.8? Uh, he, he'll be in a 150 max build conversation. Uh, he would not be in a single entry three max build conversation for me. Um, the, the field just doesn't have enough depth for me to totally throw Reed out the window. Right. Um, so I think that's the, that's the split for me. Not in a single entry guy, not a three max guy, but probably an MME guy. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I'll end up with much of him in MME. I am I'm, I'm thinking about just going pretty heavy on, uh, on Brooks. I knew, I do know that Sung Jay wise and Killa Keith are going to be, I will be whatever our ownership projection is. I'll be a hundred percent over that. So if, if Keith is 15, I'll have him at 30. Like what I will be doubling up on these, on those three guys. All right. So I got Keith at almost 25% owned. So there's that's wow. half your, half your rosters right there. You're going to go killer Keith. And then why is that 22 and a half right now? So 45% of your roster. Right, maybe, maybe I spoke too soon, maybe closer to like, I, I still think wise and, and Keith are good at like 40% though. Um, so the, those guys are going to be the most popular players in this range. Probably the, the they'll be joining Brooks as the most popular players above $8,000. Um, plenty of reasons for why they're popular. And I know you like both of them. So, uh, I mean, you can talk about that a little bit, but I think they're, the reasons and it's logical as to why they're popular, but these are players that can be streaky with the putter. They're definitely oh, huge, guys that huge variance in, in both Mitchell wise and Sungjae. I think. Yeah. Sungjae is a little bit more balanced. He probably has the, um, the best all around game, but yeah, he's, he's volatile with the putter as well. Um, and then wise and Mitchell have, the exceptional off the tee play the one year they played that that ended up mattering a lot so you can you can understand that too but uh i mean if, if they're not gaining strokes in the field putting this week which most weeks they don't then it's gonna be hard for them to contend yeah uh but i mean just looking at some of these names at the next range like there's like i'm not playing i'm not playing 9k rory sabatini there's no way uh, that that's an x for me I, I doubt he would even get in like running things, like looking at our stuff. But I mean, if he did, I would not want him. Yeah, he is for sure overpriced um, in that range. Uh, I think he'll he'll be single digits as far as the ownership. I don't know if that drives you in anymore or not. Um, probably not enough to draw me in as far as Rory Sabatini, but I uh, do have some interest in the, the 8K range guys, and there's plenty of good options yeah. there. I think Ryan Moore and RCB are the, the two guys that jumped out to me. RCB, another example, he's going to be very popular this week as well. I've got him at 20% own right now. I could see that taking up, uh, but uh, I like Moore and RCB a lot. I think Moore is a nice pivot in a single entry or three max build that has upside and a decent floor. And then um, RCB kind of, he, he can go low. He can score from a DK perspective too. Do you think guys like Kevin Na and Alex Noren will get, uh, like they'll just be comparatively less owned in this range because they're, they're not viewed as like long hitters. I, I think they'll be low owned in this range because they're not, not great golfers relative to the guys in this range and they're not seen as long hitters. So yeah. Na was up there at this course T to green last year, but um, it, it's not like he's been lighting the world on fire. So Definitely think that Na and Norin will be sub ten percent owned. Beregard is super long off the tee. He's like he was like long for a quite a, like a long time one of the longest hitters off the tee on the Euro Tour, and is still like still long off the tee now on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I kind of wonder that those are two of the guys that are hard to figure out. Um, are him and Olson, and whether or not those guys will have any lingering ownership. Um, 
or whether or not the prices will, will keep things in check. I think Lucas more so than Thor would have would have lingering ownership. Yeah, because because Lucas had the win against Tiger. Yeah, so I, I think both those guys are, are kind of in play. It seems like Thomas Peters is getting talked up quite a bit as well this week as far as Europeans. It's a pretty Euro-heavy um, range here, so a lot of people are going to be leaning on that type of content versus the data just because you're not getting as much of it from the strokes gain stuff and the European tour stuff isn't as um, readily accessible. I do like Thomas Peters. Like I know, I know his results basically have been horrible for quite some time, but that, that dude's a bomber. He knows how to, he knows how to push it out there. I, if, the, you, if you just sort by driving distance, Thomas Peters is ending up in some of your teams this week. I, I will probably be manually boosting Beauregard and Peters in MME runs. Yeah, I haven't listened to too much content this week. Um, Peters is but, Peters was mentioned. Uh, yeah, oh no, I was going to say, but you've you've like stumbled onto all of the highest projected owned guys. Which, um, if this event has a lot of variance and it requires a hot putter to to go low, I don't I don't know if you're going to want to. If, end if up this if this guys. ownership projection on Peters holds up, I I won't I won't have very much of him because I it'll come down, but I don't know if it'll come down to fifteen or to ten. Yeah, I've been running. I've been running recently. Max ownership at ninety. So my guess would be that Peters probably with this projection would not end up in those runs. What size field? The drive the green. The mini max and the DTG. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's honestly. I think that's too high um, for those types of formats. You think it should be like eighty? Yeah. Like yeah. I think closer to that. Like maybe like 75 to 85. Um, I don't know the field size of the, the mini max and if it's the same as the drive the green, but I don't know if 90 is enough to get you like the ownership projections would have to be insanely accurate. And even then I think that gets you on a ton of dupes. So I think if you're going to leave salary cap on the table, then going up higher might be okay. But um, otherwise I would probably recommend going a little bit lower. I normally make so many adjustments to my pool that I feel like I'm, I'm, unlikely like i didn't have very i don't think i had very many dupes last week running on 90 um but but i mean no I, your your point is well taken that 90 90 still definitely leaves you in firm dupe range especially if your lineups are using all the salary cap yeah and like it's i mean it's 15 percent average ownership for the golfer right so you're not very contrarian i guess if you have one percenters sprinkled in there then that could that's a lot more unique than six 15 percent owned guys but if you're rolling like six guys between 10 and 20% like that, that thing's going to be duped for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So going down $8,000 range, I mean, do you have any, do you have any interest in Russell Knox? He's a guy who's receiving uh, like a, like a similar projection to Thor, but we have him projected for half the ownership. Uh, I do have some, yeah, I have some interest. I think it's a good potential pivot spot. you see the AK range being relatively popular with potentially Peters and Thor and, you pivot down for a guy that Dave Golf has projected as good or perhaps even better. Uh, definitely not a, a bomber, but um, if you're talking about wing conditions and like Lynx Golf, it's American Lynx, I guess. So it's not true Lynx Golf, but that's all stuff that would check the narrative box as far as Russell Knox and think he would, would have to be in consideration in a field that has limited depth. Yeah. So we got to talk, we got to talk Scotty Scheffler here, 7,900 receiving. I, I was certain when pulling up these projections that Scheffler was going to be like negative five value. I, I am very surprised to see that, uh, that data golf has Scotty Scheffler as a plus EV projection this week. Yeah. I was, you were thinking that you were going to have to dial up the manual adjustment to get him into the lineups. Um, perhaps right. you could still go a little bit, but 
he's he's been doing work on the web.com tour six top tens and his 10 starts there plus a top 20 when he came up to the big boy tour uh, data golf released uh um, strokes gain trends which is adjusted across all tours to try to draw a parallel between what someone's recent performance on the web.com could be compared to a pga tour and his recent performance is equivalent to a top 30 golf in the world in this short little stretch he's on and he has the fourth best form in the field so uh, I'm curious how how did he'll get how ownership will go, but he does seem like a a good value proposition this week, especially in DraftKings where pricing is a little bit tighter. He feels like a guy who could randomly end up at like 13 percent if enough places tout him. Yeah, and it's in the price range too where that can that can happen. Um, but I don't think 13 percent is enough to to cross him off the list there, especially with like Data Golf having him projected pretty well, and then he is um, he kind of checks the bomber box as well top 15 on the web.com in terms of driving distance so that gives you at least some sense of of the profile and uh, i thought he was going to be like a free square in FanDuel, but i looked and they actually haven't priced up so a little bit sharper pricing there this week all right are you ready for my matic gold star uh five star gold lock play of the week is, is it trey mullinax it's abraham answer Priced right next to Trey Mullinex. I think answer is a little bit better with his non-driver clubs in his hands. And he absolutely smokes it off of the tee. So I'm going him because I think that Seamus Power, Trey Mullinex, Daniel Berger are all going to garner ownership in this range. So I think I might get a little bit of a discount on answer. I think he might end up at like 10%. Yeah, I think like 10 to 15 is fair. I think Mullinax will, will be pretty heavily owned. I agree with Berger. I, th- nobody's playing Seamus Power. I don't, I don't see that happening. No, people but. like his name because it has power in it. People think I'm, I'm not even kidding. People think he drives it far because his name is Seamus Power. Dude, nobody's playing him. He's going to be 5% owned or lower. Everyone's going to play Mullinax. People are going to play Answer. People are going to play Burger, Fratelli, Bud Colley, Affy Barnrat, Matt Jones. Colley. yeah. So, uh, I think, I guess the point should just be, I think there's a lot of playable guys in this range. So I, I think going overweight answer at like 25% is both good and, uh, something that I'm going to be able to do. Yeah. He, he definitely gets it out there. Um, and before he had the, the kind of, I guess the last two events, he's struggled on approach. He's still been crushing it off the tee, but struggled on approach at Valero, Texas open and RBC heritage, but he was trending very consistently in that metric before that. And I do think he has some more balance to the game. Uh, pretty impressive for a guy his size to be able to hit the ball as far as he does. But um, I think that is a good pivot option for even for a single entry three max. I think that type of pivot can um, be beneficial as far as the ownership. Uh, I like Berger and Fratelli quite a bit this week as well. Um, I, I think that Berger's a guy that has been consistent with a lot of the, the underlying metrics. Um, and then Fratelli uh, is also a guy that's popping in data golf model, popping in strokes gained off the tee over a long period of time, and then very consistent on approach over the last six events. I think those guys will come with some ownership, but they're all guys that will be looking to mix and match. You got the, uh, the South African and the UT narratives going for Fratelli as well. Um, I know that you know, the, the Aussies and the South Africans tend to, to do okay in the wind conditions. Should have uh, I should have mentioned also uh, at seventy eight hundred Justin Harding not receiving a great projection from Data Golf, but he is someone that I will be manually adjusting to get into my player pool probably at about ten percent this week. The the Skynet player pool bump. 
he that dude gains all the strokes putting. He at the Masters when he had that hot run, he was just gaining all the stroke. He he does the cheat putter, like like the the fake anchor putting. Yeah, I was surprised to see Afi Bernrat in the field this week. Yeah, um, didn't he tear his ACL? I don't know if it was a tear. I was trying to dig up some news on that. He did have an ACL injury. It sounded like it, it was not going to require surgery, so he's been sitting out and resting. And then he had talked about wanting to come over for Texas and then for the PGA Championship. So um, to me, that means that he hasn't been practicing consistently. That's enough for me to bump him down a little bit. He was kind of a fringe play if he was healthy. I think I'll bump him down a little bit, and, and that'll probably take him um, – either out of consideration or to the low end of consideration. Perhaps he's just using this as a, a tune-up event for the PGA Championship. Yeah, so getting into some of the lower values, what do you do with Michael Thompson, who is getting one of the biggest value projections of anyone down in this range? Uh, whenever someone has a good, great value projection, I, I roster that golfer dues. Second, second on tour in strokes gained putting. Yeah, he, he's been... Uh, games not consistently but he definitely it's not he's not like a, a one-trick pony so it's kind of a tale of two seasons for him the start of the season he was um, crushing on strokes and approach through the first four or five events and he was also gaining strokes consistently off the tee and on approach and he was uh, a net neutral or a losing putter and then the the tee to green game kind of has left him over the past like five or six events but the putting has picked him back up um, I, I'll still, I'll still roster him. Uh, I won't go crazy. I don't go crazy on anybody who's priced down this low. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I'm capping their ownership roughly equivalent to their top 20 odds. So Michael Thompson in MME, a 20% play for me, maybe 24%, but not going too much higher than that. There are some other guys in here that, uh, well, actually first, what do you think there's any value in just Xing the Mullinax? Like just, um, just total, just totally avoiding that. Just in, okay, going, okay, variance. Yes. Like, and if this guy is going to be seventeen percent down here, like I know that we've talked a lot about just trying to make your rosters non-duped or non-chalky, but I do think that's like a pretty interesting leverage play. Yeah. So there's like fifteen to twenty golfers that in the top twenty model project for between 18 and 20% odds to T20. So a pool of golfers that data golf has very little ability to separate as far as their talent, but the ownership is going to flood heavily to a few of them, including Molinax, who right now is the highest owned one. So instead of getting 20% Molinax and basically matching the field on everybody, like you could get overweight the field on, on four or five of these different golfers. Um, and so I think that is definitely a, a good decision. I think that would be the right approach. So I don't know why Sam Burns withdrawed last week. I assume related to injury maybe, but I think I probably just will not play him again this week, even though he is receiving a decent projection. I just don't want to get burnt by that. Even if that is like fear-based thinking, I just, I don't really see it. I don't really see anything that makes him like a, a really different play than Scott Stallings, Denny McCarthy, or even like Vaughn Taylor. Yeah, and I thought like uh, Kevin Tway and Cage Lee, I thought are interesting ownership pivots um, towards the top end. I know you were um, kind of ragging on Michael Thompson a little bit for strokes gained putting, covering up some of his warts, but I know you're going to go on the FanDuel hurry up and you're going to tout. I'm going to go on the FanDuel hurry up and tout Michael Thompson and his strokes gained putting. And, and you're going to tout Shank. 
Shank has like a better all-around game, I personally feel, but he also has been good with the putter this season. I don't know. I don't know how to contextualize strokes game putting because so much of that is luck-based anyways. But my, my overall opinion after, I've honestly probably rostered Adam Shank the same level I've rostered like the super studs this year because he's always like a good value on DG. So I, like I have a, feel like I have a pretty good sense for his game and I feel like he is like a very good play here at 7,000. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. So he gained six strokes putting last week that cu- covered up some very mediocre play. And then um, his performance at RBC Heritage was obviously not, not strong, but it wasn't a great course fit if you wanted to go down that path. And then at the Valero Texas Open, he also gained more than six strokes with the putter, which again, covered up some fairly mediocre plays. So um, I'm a little cautious on Shank this week, especially if the ownership's going to be heavy. Not saying he's going to be out of consideration altogether. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's too soft of a take. Maybe I should say he's he should be out of the player pool if he's going to be heavily owned. Um, I think he is a good value, but the ownership and the the putting is a little bit of uh, a red flag. Yeah, I I I have I don't share the ownership concerns. I I think he's fine at ten percent. I I'm fine doubling the field on him. And there's actually some other go HV three on us again. No, no, no one can go full HP3. Same price, same ownership. I did not have HP3, so I guess I guess that did feel pretty good. They uh they really cut the values off at seven thousand though. There is there is nothing down here. There is one guy below sixty eight hundred who I think is almost for like who I'll say is gonna make my pool, and that is Nate Lashley. Yeah, he was one of the guys I was looking at as well. It, I, I think it's kind of similar to last week. Um, I can't get on board with any of these golfers for a single entry or a three max build or a higher stakes lineup. I just, I can't do it. I can't find anything in there that is comfortable. Um, even looking for some of the, like, you're looking for like outlier stats where it's like this guy crushes off the tee. You're not even able to find that much outlier value um, down here either. So it's probably an MME only range for me. Um, I do think that I know I was joking about shuffle, which is one of the features in our fantasy golf optimizer at daily roto and shuffle is like a diversification tool that each time you use a golfer, it kind of devalues their projection for the next lineups and rosters that it's building. I do feel like the, the thought process for me with using shuffle is, um, as you get into stuff where there's more randomness. So like a single round format, like showdown is where I'd want to increase the shuffle. And then. I think similarly, when you get into an event that is going to have a ton of putting variance involved, has an overall lack of field depth, there's going to be variance associated with this as well. So I think it makes sense to use more shuffle this week when building lineups um, and then to increase that shuffle even more when building with your showdown lineups. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that does make sense. Uh, I think that I think that just about covers it, though, for DK this week. Yeah, there's not a whole whole lot more. Um, we'll be back, obviously, for the, the PGA Championship uh, next week. It should be a, a good show. And then you got any betting values this week? Yeah, I, I, have, uh, I have a couple. I actually think that this is sort of an interesting week to bet and just kind of accept that it's going to be variants and just don't bet any of the faves. Like yeah. I, I, I kind of like that this week. So there are, there are a couple guys, obviously Thompson and Shank, both of them are at 125 to one. I think that they're both like good half unit bets. I think answer at 75 to one is a good half unit bet. And if you were, if you were feeling 
frisky Ryan Moore at 45 to one. I actually would go to a full unit bet on. Um, honestly, I don't think you should be betting like a full unit on any golf outrights because the the odds to win are so low. So I think if you, even if you're using like a full Kelly, I don't think you're ever going to get a huge bet size down. I, I think when I think about that, it's more for like the the head to head stuff. So um, found some decent matchups as far as. Um, like Mark Leishman at minus 145 over Brandon Grace, that would be the type of thing I would put like a, a full unit on. And then Hideki Matsuyama minus 60, 160 versus Jordan Spieth, another one that I'll be rolling out there as far as uh, matchups. And I think those are where I put the decent size bets down when it's a, a long shot winner for Telly at 90 to one was a guy that I backed for very low wager. Bud Cawley at 110 to one. And then the the one bomb I sprinkled in there was Carlos Ortiz at three hundred to one. Yeah, I saw I saw that that was a, a plus EV bet. I I think that number is gone. Oh no, it's still there. It just wasn't. I think he was available at higher than that. I have I have one super mega bomb if you want it. Oh, the, the people the people want it, Davis. It and this number actually I I bet it and it got moved already. It was Rod, Roger Sloan was at five hundred to one and he's at four hundred to one now. Davis moving lines. No, I'm <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't think I move that line. I just think anytime I think if, I think the, the rule for FanDuel Sportsbook or whatever book is, if we get one bet on a golfer who's deeper than 500 to one, I think, I think they just move it at that point. Yeah. And FanDuel definitely has been offering very competitive prices on the, the golf outright markets. Um, FanDuel is a partner of ours. You obviously do the hurry up. They're a corporate partner of ours as well. So if you are in the state of New Jersey and you want to sign up, you can go to fanduel.com slash grid and you can get a $500 risk-free bet um, there. So definitely check out FanDuel. And then we got Gup's Corner. Segment three is kicking off. Uh, we're live, Davis, for the overall contest and we're in the black. We're free rolling for the rest of the segments um, after coming inside the top 10 for segment two. Uh, so I've kind of got, we got the three entries right now. And a lot of people out there, you're either live or your teams are dead and you're only live for the segment. And I think that kind of, is, it's a pretty bipolar split. So Right. And I would be the second one. So the second one, I mean, I think you consider whether or not you want to use like a Brooks Kepka because he's never going to have higher win probability than he will in this event. And so if you're just trying to burn like all the big guns because you're dead for the overall thing, then I think like burning somebody like Brooks or... Um, would would have some merit to it for those entries. No, I think I think that if you are live for the overall, I think you should take Brooks. For the overall? Yeah. I think I think I think there's a lot of merit to taking Brooks in both because his win equity is really crazy this week. Yeah, so I, I it's um yeah, it's all relative to the prize pool, right? So uh some of the the other places where the win equity would be high, or at least the the earnings would be high, would be as you get towards the tour championship and you get or the WGCs where you get like the 60 man fields with massive purses. So that's the only pause I think with Brooks. Like that's um that's how we were able to to make up some of the ground with some of these other wins is by cashing in on the the huge winners. But I think Brooks for sure for the segment three people, obviously the top play. Uh, not quite as sold on the the full the full run. I think that I am going to use Henrik Stenson. I think that he will be sort of outside the like four most picked guys, and I do think he has like decent win equity. And he's a guy who I think is really good, who I would maybe use at a later event. But if I'm going live for the segment, I need to be inside like the five favorites. 
Yeah. And then if you've used those golfers already, I think the the other guys to consider um, contrarian play would be potentially uh, Mark Leishman um, or, and then probably a more popular play would be Hideki Matsuyama. But I think that those would be some of the the good options to consider there, depending on who you've used up at some of the other events. But if you did enter Gup's Corner earlier and you haven't been going back because you were kind of dead, just make sure you get in there for segment three. It's probably the the most fun segment of the year as far as the tournaments that are playing. And uh, it gets to finish up before the fantasy football season happens. So it's definitely a good segment to try to get in and, and burn some of the golfers. Yeah. All right. Does that do it? Yeah, that'll do it for going for the green. Um, and, and we'll be back next week, either Monday or Tuesday for PGA Championship and should be another really fun event. Make sure to check out our fantasy golf projections at dailyroto.com and you can save 10% with the promo FNTSY.